You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. We are now in the final sermon of a series of six messages. Uh, two, we, we, we spoke on the power of prayer, and then we transitioned to the power of praise, and now finishing off the power of thanksgiving. And it has been a joy. I've, I've enjoyed, especially enjoyed this series. It's just, uh, it's been refreshing. It really has. To be able to just prayer, praise, and be thankful together. And, and now we're finishing this series here pre-Thanksgiving Day. Uh, but this is something that prayerfully we can carry with us for the rest of our lives. I've enjoyed sharing the series with our worship pastor during the praise messages You've been so faithful. It's been, it's been a, a lot of fun. So I want you to turn to Psalm 107. We're going to start in the Word of God. Jump into 21, 22 of Psalm 107. And a great first service, by the way. Uh, thankful for all those who served at 9. And now to see you at 1045, thank you for being here. It is an honor to have you with us today, family and friends. Psalm 107, verse 21. Let them thank the Lord, for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. Now, if you are in the habit of underlining things in your Bible or making notes in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline those three words. We're going to be looking at some of these sacrifices of thanksgiving. And notice it then says, and tell them of his deeds. And we just did this a moment ago right here in our, in our church. And Cody led us in worship and we, we sang songs of joy together. That was enthusiasm. That was, that was a lot of uh, just energy because there's something to be thankful for this morning. God is good. He is so good. And so, many, so much of what we experienced a moment ago is really uh, a fulfillment of this passage of Scripture, the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and then tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Have you ever heard someone say this to you about something? Man, listen, dude, talk is cheap. Come on, show me something. Talk is cheap. You know, there's some truth to that. Someone has said that if your talk talks louder than your walk, you got a problem. Your walk needs to talk louder than your talk. You know, why? Because talk sometimes can be cheap. We say things like, Lord, I'm thankful. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the, you know, we pray over something. And then we, we tend, including myself, to be somewhat ritualistic about it. We just can easily take things for granted as we are thankful. But I, I think we need to take Thanksgiving to another level. Maybe we could say it like this. Maybe our thanksgiving needs to translate more into thanks living. You know, thanksgiving's a wonderful thing, but sometimes it needs to show up in our lives because if we are truly thankful, it's going to show up in our lives. And so this is what we're talking about as we conclude this series, offering to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Is there any sin worse than ingratitude? Is there any sin worse than that? Eugene Hansen said, it's been said that the sin of ingratitude is more serious than the sin of revenge. With revenge, we return evil for evil, but with ingratitude, we return evil for good. 
Seneca the Younger, a couple of hundred years ago, a philosopher, a Christian philosopher said, he is ungrateful who denies that he has received a kindness which has been bestowed upon him. He is ungrateful who conceals it. He is ungrateful who makes no return for it. Most ungrateful of all is he who forgets it. Shakespeare said, how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. I'm so thankful for my wife today. She's not here. Our daughter, Glorianne, got sick yesterday, and so we were up all night with her. Uh, she took over at 4.30 this morning so I could get a little sleep. But um, I'm so thankful for my wife. I tell you, she has taught our kids to be thankful. I have uh, boxes of, of notes from Mo, Jozo, and Chloe. Now, when you were young, Chloe, it was mom. Have you written your dad a thanks, thank, uh, you know, thank you note yet? Have you written your dad a thank, thank you note for that meal, for that? You know, anytime we go out and eat, I always get five or six thank you notes. I knew where they were coming from, the influence and the encouragement of my, of my, of my wife. Now, I know where they come from. They come from their hearts. Now they're not being told to write these thank you notes. I have, usually what I do is I wait till my file gets thick. I have a Mojozo Clo file. And when they get so thick I can't put any more thank you notes in, I take them out and I put them in a box. I have three or four boxes full in my attic of thank you notes, just for my children. Because of the influence of a godly mother. I say all that just to brag on my wonderful wife for whom after 33 years I'm more th- You talk about it keeps on getting better. Can I just, that, that's a good song for, for, for my marriage. Amen. Hallelujah. But anyway, if I could just say that. Is that okay? All right. Just check it. And uh, can we be thankful for our spouses? Amen? Amen. All right. But, but, but how heartbreaking is it to have a thankless child? I don't know that there's anything that, that, that hurts our hearts more. And when our children aren't grateful for the things that, that, that God has done, that we have done. William Arthur Ward said, three enemies of personal peace. Regret, regret over yesterday's mistakes, anxiety over tomorrow's problems, and ingratitude for today's blessings. Max Lucado said, I believe ingratitude is the original sin. I believe if Adam and Eve had been grateful for the Garden of Eden they had, they would have not... Uh, they would not have been so focused on the one that they did not have. Robert Brault said, there is no such thing as ingratitude unexpressed. If it's unexpressed, it's just plain old-fashioned ingratitude. Shakespeare said again that ingratitude is monstrous. And yet, how horrible it is to be ungrateful to God. Think about that with me for just a minute. In this Thanksgiving season, as we look at these sacrifices of Thanksgiving that we're going to be challenged to give to our great God. So I ask you this morning to consider this. Are you grumbly hateful or are you humbly grateful? You know, years ago I preached a message. uh, I remember Sonia actually wrote a song for the sermon. And I, I, these were my points to the sermon. I gave the contrast between someone who's grateful and someone who is ungrateful. And here are my points. And I almost had her sing the song this morning. It's, it's an incredible song. Ungrateful people always see the bad in every situation. But grateful people always see the good in every bad situation. 
Isn't that true? Grateful, ungrateful people can see the bad in every situation. It can be 99% good, and they'll bring up that 1%. Yeah, it was okay, but did you see? You can do that in your home. You can do it in church. You can do it in your marriage. You can do it at a restaurant. Man, that was a good meal. Yeah, but I tell you what, my water didn't have enough ice in it. But, but grateful people can see the good and even a bad situation. It can be 99% bad, and they bring up the one. You know, I know it wasn't all, but you know. Ungrateful people always complain about how bad they have it. But grateful people realize how good God's been. What a contrast. Ungrateful people think they deserve more than they have. But grateful people say, you know, I don't, I don't even deserve what I've got. Do you see the contrast here? And then ungrateful people get God's kindness. It's true. Think of Luke chapter 6 and verse 35 where the scripture says to love your enemies, to, to do good, to, to lend, to expect nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You'll be sons of the Most High. For He, the Most High, is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Even the ungrateful, even the evil, get the kindness of God. But grateful people get God's blessings. We see it no more greater illustrated than that one leper who was healed of the ten lepers who were all healed, who returned to give thanks. What a story. They were all healed. They were all treated kindly by Jesus. But notice it says, Jesus answered as that one leper returned to give thanks. Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? He said to them, rise and go your way. Yes, you were healed physically, but you're also healed spiritually. Your faith has made you whole. And he gets God's blessings. So how do we go to this next level in Thanksgiving? We've talked about prayer, and we're attempting as a church to, to look at prayer differently and more intensely and intentionally and, and go to the next level in praise. And we were challenged in that area. And now we think of this power of Thanksgiving and what can we do to go from Thanksgiving to thanks living? How can we make Thanksgiving more a part of our lives? Well, I think we need to start by offering to God what the Bible calls sacrifices of thanksgiving. In Psalm chapter 107, verse 22, it's very specific as it says to offer to God these things. Give to God a sacrifice. It's an offering. It's a sacrificial offering of thanksgiving. You know, it's interesting, but growing up a Catholic, I, I had what we called priest. We didn't call them pastors or elders or deacons or preachers. We called them priests. And these priests were just sort of set apart as, you know, there's the priest and there's the rest of us. And we would confess our sins to that priest and, and he would forgive us because he in that setting kind of had that authority. And, but as I began to study scripture, I, I was so blessed to find out that all of us who are saved... Every follower of Jesus Christ is a priest. As Don Schultz would say, how cool is that? If you know Don, you know what I mean. 
Peter tells us here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, and remember, all of us who are saved are priests of God. Every priest should, should be able to come and offer a sacrifice to the Lord, like in the Old Testament. It says here in verse 4, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter here tells us in this passage that because we are priests, because we are priests, we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. And so let's identify five spiritual sacrifices. In fact, if you got a worship guide, if you didn't, please get one before you leave because in it, there's a simple little insert and it's there for your benefit. It's like a little checklist. That's all it is. It's simple. It's simple. It's the five sacrifices that we're going to talk about. These different sacrifices of thanksgiving to God. And as you look at this list and see a little box to to check, I'm going to challenge you not to check them as we go along in the service, not to just take a moment or 30 seconds or a minute, but to maybe have some accountability with this. Maybe your spouse or your parent or a good close friend or somebody you disciple with or somebody that you are uh, you know, spiritually growing with and take some time to talk about these things. And then let's, let's take this week of Thanksgiving and, and, and let's, let's do some inner searching, if you will, of our hearts regarding these five things and ask ourselves, God, am I offering these things to you? And how can I improve in these areas? Number one, the first sacrifice I want you to see is found in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's the sacrifice of your person. It's, it's, it's the giving of yourselves. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, and what's perfect. Would you take from a moment, just notice in verse number one, go back to verse one for just a moment, and look at that for just a minute. Do you see there he's talking about a living sacrifice? Literally, this means a living sacrifice, get this now, literally is your body. Yourself, you're, you're present, you, not someone next to you, not a dead sacrifice, not, but a living sacrifice. And why should I do this? Why should I present my bodies as a living sacrifice? Well, take notice, the Apostle Paul says that I appeal to you, I beseech you, I beg you. But let's remember that the Word of God was maybe, there, 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 there's something here that we would give credit to Paul for writing a certain book in the Bible, but, but who really wrote the book? Who, did, who gave Paul the words? God. Literally, God himself is saying to you and to I this morning, it's almost as if God is on his knees and he's saying, I beseech you, I, I beg you, please, would you do this? Would you do this for me? Would you offer up yourselves? You know, we, we talk about praying to God, but it almost seems as if in this moment, this is God's prayer to us. Would you please offer your bodies a living sacrifice? And why would we do this? Because of the mercies of God. On the basis of what God has done 
for you. Why would you give your body to him? Because he gave his body for you on that cross. He took those nails. As the hammer drove those nails into his hands and he suffered, he bled, and he died for you. He loved you so much that he gave his life for you. And he says, by the mercies of God, based on that, would you offer yourself a living sacrifice? I love that old hymn. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. If you know it, sing it. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Songs of joy. Oh, listen, it just makes sense. It makes sense based on the mercies of God. So how do I give myself away? Well, there's three ways here in the text that you must do it. Number one, you must do it voluntarily. You you must do it voluntarily. Look, present your bodies a living sacrifice, meaning this, no one can make you do it. No one can make you do this. This is not something you can be forced to do. You must voluntarily, you must willingly do it of your own free will. Have you done that? Have you? Eric, have you done that? Church, have you done that voluntarily? You must do it secondly, completely. Completely. Notice it says here, this is something that is holy and acceptable to God. That word H-O-L-Y is akin to the word W-H-O-L-E or W-H-O-L-L-E, which means complete. To offer yourselves completely to God. This is not something you can do halfway. A sacrifice has no plans of its own. A sacrifice is slain. A sacrifice is dead to its old self. My wife, my children, my home, my car, my vacation, my bank account, my ambitions, my future, they all belong to the Lord. All of it. It all belongs to God. When we talk about offering to him a living sacrifice, it includes all of these things. Have you done that? Dear Lord, I give myself away. It's all that I can voluntarily, completely, and then finally, you can do it sacrificially. Notice the scripture says here, it is a living sacrifice. Recently, we sang a new song, and I can't remember the name of the song, but it included in the words, and it was so powerful as we sang it, I'll be a living sacrifice for you. Just set me on fire, God. Set me on fire. I'll be a living sacrifice The Old Testament animal sacrifice was bound to the altar. Interesting, wasn't it? 
It was bound to the altar. And why was it bound to the altar? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it would, it would easily slide off. I know there's a lot of hunters here. I'm not much of a hunter, but I, I, I know that I've been hunting before, and I've watched somebody kill a deer and, and then present the fresh meat, and it's slippery. I mean, freshly killed meat is slippery. And so when they take these freshly killed animals in the Old Testament and place them upon the altar, they were told to take two flesh hooks. And those flesh hooks would, 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 would make that... That sacrifice bound to the altar. Can I suggest to you a couple of flesh hooks that we need to bind ourselves to the altar? Number one, devotion. Devotion. Our love for Jesus. Our love for Jesus. And number two, discipline. Not one or the other, but both. Both of these work together to keep you bound to the offer, offering or the altar. Before we give God anything, we must give him ourselves. But many don't want to be bound to the altar. In fact, it seems as if, could I say this lovingly and kindly, and I really prayed that when I got to this part of the message, I did, I sincerely prayed, God, help me to say this out of a heart of love and just out of a heart of pastoring people, knowing that that the Holy Spirit could potentially take this and use it to convict us of some things, but not, no guilt, no, no, no accusations. Not, I'm, just, I'm just simply saying that it seems as if we're living in a day where people are so shy to make a commitment. Many men don't commit to marriage because they just don't want to be tied down. I don't want to, you know, it's just too much. I, you know, I just, I like being free and single, you know. Kind of play the field. Just keep, keep all my options open. That's why a lot of people don't join the church. Oh, they just drop in and visit. You know, just drop in. Just check things out. Next year, you see them again. Hey, good to see you again. Yeah, just dropping in again. Just to, uh, If you join the church. No, we're just still visiting. Just checking it out, you know. Go ahead and say it. We need our weekends, you know. We just, you know, we, we got a cottage out of the lake, and we like to fish and hunt. We just, you know, why don't we get tied down? That's why a lot of people don't want to teach a small group. You know, if I get into that, I mean, I could. I mean, I, I love the Word, and I, I can teach it, and I've got that gift. But, you know, that, then you got one night, and you got to be there. And I just, you know, we just, I just want to make that commitment. There's others, others that won't make a pledge to give. I've heard all the excuses. Well, I don't believe in pledges, and I'm not going to make a commitment. The truth is, we're willing to make a commitment to our mortgage, to our car payment, we're not willing to make a commitment to the most important person in all the world, and that's Jesus. And so, church, I ask you to consider this living sacrifice. The sacrifice of your person. And then secondly, and let's back up our series back to praise for just a moment. And let's talk about the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. And let's go to Hebrews in chapter number 13 and verse number 15, where the Bible says, through him... The hymn there refers to Jesus. Just a little context. Through Jesus, let us continually, let's offer to Jesus continually a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Question. And I had somebody after the service say, you know, I've never thought about my praise as sacrifice. So I'm going to ask you, have you ever thought of your praise as sacrifice? 
It's kind of an interesting take on things, but yet we can see clearly in Hebrews 13, 15 that there is this thing called sacrifice and praise and an offering to God. Have you ever done this? And let me say it like this to you. God would rather have your praise than have your money. That's startling because this is the Baptist preacher saying that. Amen. (laughs) Your praise is of more value to God than whatever you put in the offering plate today. Let, Let me show you a verse that proves that. It's found in Psalms chapter 69 in verse 30 and 31. I will praise the name of God with a song. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. Kind of an interesting take. But you've got to understand what an ox would have been worth back in those Bible days. Let me bring it right, just right to you. To offer an ox would be the same today, the equivalent today of you walking up to me this morning and saying, Preacher, I just feel led to give you the keys to my car. Y'all sell it and just keep the money for the church. Here's my keys to my, my Mercedes. Here's the keys to my truck. Here's the keys to my car. Preach, I just, here's the keys to my house. This was a valuable thing. And here scripture says that God says your praise will please the Lord more than your material gifts. But listen, praise is no substitute for your financial gifts. And we're going to see that later on. But your praise to God is very important. Notice in Hebrews chapter 3 again, verse 15, that through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. One of the songs we sang, Cody, I can't remember which, I think it was the first one. We talked about the morning and the evening. The morning and the evening. It's like, it, it, you, you, listen, what's interesting about praise is, and I think sometimes we can get this a little bit skewed because of going to church and you know, I'm going to go to church and praise the Lord. I can't wait to get to church. And I love that first 15 minutes when we praise the Lord. But you don't come to church to praise the Lord. You bring your praise with you to church. Amen? You've been praising the Lord in your car on the way. You praise the Lord in the shower when you got up. You praise the Lord when you just got out of bed and walked to the coffee machine and said, praise God for my legs today, for my breath and my lungs. Praise is a continual thing. It's in the morning, it's in the evening. Yes, it's at 15 minutes at church, but we brought it with us. It shouldn't be a strange thing when we offer a sacrifice of praise to church in church. You don't commence your praise here. You continue your praise here. We've been memorizing a chapter together, Psalm chapter 34. Psalm 34, 1 says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, I sought the Lord, uh, uh, and, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. And we're memorizing that together. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. I hope you're doing it with me. It's awesome. I'm just saying it all the time, saying it all the time. You know why? Because it's an easy way just to continually praise the Lord. That's what it is. It's not I can't wait to get the church to praise. It's I can't wait to get the church to continue to praise. So offering this sacrifice of praise, and I'm not doing it grudgingly. You don't have to coerce me to praise the Lord or beg me or, or trick me or You know, all right, guys, put your hands together. It's okay to clap. Listen, 
I love Psalm chapter 119, 108 that says, Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord. This is, this is Lord, this is my, me. This is what I'm giving you. This is not because I'm being asked to do it or coerced to do it. I'm not being begged to do it. I want to sing praise to you, O Lord. The sacrifices of thanksgiving. The sacrifice of your person. The sacrifice of your praise. What about this? And let's back up the series even one more. What about the sacrifice of prayer? The sacrifice of prayer. Psalm 141 and verse number 2. Let my prayer, let my prayer, let it be counted as incense. As incense before you. And the lifting up my hands is the evening sacrifice. Again, growing up a Catholic and an altar boy and going to church six mornings a week many times. I would get there at 5.30. Mass started at about 6, sometimes 6.30. And we would begin to prepare these things. We didn't exactly know all the details or the historical relevance or the, you know, the, 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 all the different reasons why. We just knew we had to prepare incense. That was part of the altar boy's job. And uh, there were several other things that we did. But one of the things that I very clearly remember, and in fact, when I go back to New Orleans and visit, I'll often, because I have a lot of family that still count, I'll go to the Catholic Church uh, to support my father and, and my family, and, and I'll see this. And I've, of course, to me, it's just a, a, a memory. To my kids, it's like, what, would they do? what are they doing, Dad, you know? But we prepare this incense, and we put the, the, the incense in this container, and then we, we need to set it on fire. It is when the fire stokes that incense that it lets out a smoke because incense is perfume. And that smell as we walk through the church and the priest is, 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 is just kind of, you know, putting the church. Now that I know I was a priest too, I, I just didn't know it then. But anyway, <laughs> we, were, we, were, we, were, we would walk up and down those aisles and, and then we'd share this incense. And it was a, a sweet smell. We, we had no clue. I had no clue what, what it meant. To me, it was a ritual we did every single time we had Mass. But in order for it to be released, it had to be put on fire. It had to be burned. And as that perfume burned, if you will, the incense burned, it let up a perfume. Hey, pay attention to Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. This is beautiful. And when he had taken up the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each were holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Incense in the Old Testament is like our prayers that go up to God. And as they go up to God, they are like a sweet smell in his nostrils. He receives those prayers. Those, those are an offering of, of prayer. The, the pouring out of our hearts to God. Has there been a time this morning that you have offered up a sacrifice of prayer? Sincere prayer. Just crying out to God for his his power, his blessings, his forgiveness, sharing with God the goodness of God. Did you offer any of that incense up to him this morning? Psalm 141, verse 2, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting up of my hands 
as the evening sacrifice. And there's so much more in that passage that we could talk about the tabernacle and the the brazen altar and all of the things that go into that. But for sake of time and information, I encourage you to study that as well. But there's something beautiful about understanding that prayer is like incense to God. Especially since I was was an altar boy and I, I had no idea that that's what that meant. Powerful. Number four. The fourth of these spiritual sacrifices is a sacrifice of your possessions. Now, if you're going to take a nap, this might be the point to take a nap on. Amen? Because most folks don't want to hear about this one. But we've got to look at it in Scripture because it's very clearly a sacrifice that God calls our attention to. It's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Don't neglect that. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Maybe your uh, translation says generous or don't neglect to be liberal or or don't neglect to distribute. Mine says don't neglect to, to do good and to share what you have. Oh, don't miss this church. This means to take our material possessions, the things that God has given us, and when we give, it is a spiritual sacrifice. Listen, that's why the Apostle Paul said when he received a missions gift from the church at Philippi, here's what he said as he received that gift in Philippians chapter 3 in verse number 15. I have received full payment more. I'm well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, speaking of their monetary gift, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And so today, if you want to show your thanksgiving, show it in your giving. Show it in your giving. Does your giving show what you really think about God? I'll answer that question for you. It really does. It really does. So many give God the leftovers. I mean, I, I've, I've been pastor long enough to hear the budget stories. Well, pastor, you know, we got the mortgage, we got to pay that, and we got the car payment, and we, we budget for that, and we got our food budget, and our, our light budget, our utility budget, and we got a food budget. And, and then, you know, usually if there's anything left over, that's why we just can't give much, you know. I mean, how am I, I going to give, Pastor? I've got, I've got all this other stuff to do. And somehow God gets the crumbs. And God gets the leftovers. But I suggest that before you write a check to anyone else, you give your first gift to God. I know I'm old-fashioned. I, I know I just said write a check. I'm sorry. I know what everybody do. I don't, I'm glad he said write a check because I don't have any checks. Well, be like Scott and text to give or give online or give through the church app. I mean, I love it. It's greatest technology. It's four ways to give. I'm just kind of an old fogey and I like to write the check and I just, I have an experience. You can do the same thing texting, I'm sure. But I just really worship God when I'm giving that first fruit. In fact, I love Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, which is, I'm so thankful for it because it, it is exactly what I'm talking about. It says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine 
increase. Here, here's, here's my interpretation of that. Don't give God the leftovers. That's my interpretation. It's simple, I know. If I wrote a theology book, it would be really simple. Interpretation, don't give God the leftovers. That's it. Give him the first offering. Give him the first fruits. God doesn't just want a place in your life. He demands preeminence. He does. And I was reading over in Malachi chapter 1, and you know, there's so much about giving and, and sacrifices in Malachi, but it was an interesting passage that it said, when you offer, verse 8, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice. Now, I'm, I'm, I got to hear this. I got to hear this one. When you offer a blind cat for a sacrifice. Is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, like a sick goat or a lame goat, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? (laughs) They were basically saying here, well, we have to give an offering to the Lord. Go get the blind cat. He's worthless anyway. Go get the sick goat. He's about to die. Give that real quick to God. That'll work. And he says... Give that to your governor. See what he thinks about that. We give things to God that we would never give to each other. It's sad. And I'm saying this morning that based on the mercies of God, church, he is worthy of our first fruits. We don't just give to the church because the church needs the money. I think sometimes we get this idea. Oh, here we go again, another offering. It is a sacrifice to God. If there were no needs in the church, if there were absolutely no needs, it's still a blessing just to come and give and sacrifice our possessions. I don't need a lot of explanation. I know some people, you know, I want to see where it's going and I want to know exactly this. And, and I get it. And I understand that it sounds really spiritual to say the, the steward word every time you give. I want to be a good steward, so I want to know everything. And I get that. I respect that. And I'll do as much as you need to be done. But might I suggest just giving it to God? Just giving it to God. I know it's a, it's a Lottie Moon offering. You're not giving a Lottie Moon. You're giving to God. It's going to the world to, to, to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. But I'm just giving it to God. This so, I, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed Scott's little testimony. I loved it. I, I hung on every word. I know, maybe I'm a weirdo. Maybe that's just not human. I don't know. But I just love it when somebody talks about giving. I love it. I start thinking about what, what can I give? And well, if I give that, but I won't have that. Well, who cares? That's no big deal. I mean, I'm giving to God. This is a mindset that I've had to discipline myself to have because of my love for Jesus. That devotion, those flesh hooks, those flesh hooks, they're in, bro. I mean, I ain't getting off this altar. This altar of sacrificially given. It's so easy to want to just put God somewhere in the list. But I need the flesh hook of devotion and discipline to make sure that every time we talk about giving to Gideons or giving to IMB or giving to the church or giving to the air condition, I don't care what it's we're giving to. I'm just going to give it to God and trust that he knows what, what's best. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It's one of my favorite. Each one of us, each, each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly. I think that's interesting that it says must give. I, I, I kind of, you know, I almost don't want to say this because it's almost like I'm reading this and I feel like it's saying, don't give it if you can't give it willingly. Just keep it. That's, 
really scary for a preacher to say, amen? Because I've heard other guys say, hey, we don't care. If you don't want to give it, but you feel bad, give it anyway. You know, I, I guess. But it does say we must give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. If we can't give with a cheerful heart, that's what God wants. He wants us to give willingly and with a cheerful heart. And then finally, and I'm done, the last sacrifice, the last thing. And I want to take this from a statement that David made in Psalm 51, verse 17. You don't have to put it on the screen yet. It's coming soon. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. So number five, the sacrifice of purity. All of these sacrifices that we've talked about this morning are based upon what Jesus does for us. Not what the church, not what the pastor, not what your small group. No, this is all about every sacrifice is based on this. What Jesus does for us. You are good, so good, Jesus. You're worthy of all of this. We give to him because he gives to us. We love him because he, what, first loved us, right? It's all based on God's, what God's done for us. So think about Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Church, in closing, do you have that sacrifice? What sacrifice, pastor? A broken and contrite heart. That sacrifice. Why is it a sacrifice of purity? Because David had sinned. David's heart was broken over his sin. David knew how much God had done for him and how much God loved him. And it broke David's heart. Notice in Psalm 51 verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, O God. David's heart was broken. Do you know why it was, what it was that led David to have this broken spirit? It was not David's badness. It was God's goodness. The Bible tells us in Romans 2, 4, despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance, not the badness of man, the goodness of God. God is so good. God is so good. Oh, this morning, that's what the whole theme has been about, the whole theme from start to finish. It's the goodness of God. It's the mercies of God. He's worthy of all of these sacrifices. And it's Thanksgiving. And it's more than a turkey and, and eating until you can't eat anymore and watching football. Talk is cheap. It's cheap. We've got to remember this morning that Thanksgiving is not about those things, although those are little nice benefits. Because of the mercies of God, we get to do those things. And so this morning, I want you to take that checklist, and, I, and I'm going to challenge you here in Psalm 107 one last time. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. How good is his steadfast love? It never ends. It never stops. You know, you keep on getting better. You never stop loving me. That's incredible. No one loves me like God loves me. I've never had a friend like Jesus. 
uh, his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. Think about the works of God in your life. Like getting out of bed this morning and getting a cup of coffee and, and, and going to church and driving in your car and turning up your heat. And, I mean, all those are works of God. That's all the works of God in our lives. God has been good. Every good thing, every perfect thing comes down from, from the Father of lights. Think of a good thing. Give God the credit. It's all God. It's all the works of God. And then let them offer, based on the goodness of God, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. In just a moment, we're going to tell of his deeds and songs of joy. We're going to sing one of my favorite thanksgiving songs. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I think the title is 10,000 Reasons. What a title. What a title. My favorite line in the whole song, Kevin, is this. My favorite line is, for all your goodness, I will keep on singing. It's my favorite. For all your goodness, God, I'll just keep on singing because you're so good. Oh, this morning, I want to just challenge you to take this this week, not just Thanksgiving Day. Take this week and get alone with God or get alone with a friend or a spouse or an accountability partner and talk about these sacrifices and ask yourself, how can I give more of myself? How can I offer more of my possessions, more of my purity, more of my praise, more of my prayer to God? Let these spiritual sacrifices be something this week that we offer to God. And if you're here this morning and, and you've never offered your, yourself to God in the way of salvation, and, and you've never come to the cross and, and seen God in his perfect sacrificial gift in Jesus Christ, if you've never accepted that, there's never been a time, might it be this morning that the goodness of God is leading you to repentance? And for the very first time today, you're going to come to Christ and be saved. That'd be great. I'm going to be here at the front. Doug will be here with me, and maybe some Butch will be here. And we're just going to be, our elders will be just up here. In case you need someone to pray with, I got to pray with a man. Really sweet at the first service. Just, it was sweet. If you need that sweet time of prayer with an elder, you are welcome. If, if you need to be saved, we would love to, to talk to you about that now or after the service. Nobody gets away from here too quickly. We're having too much fun to leave too early. So it's, it's fine if you want to wait till after. Just respond as the Lord leads you to respond as we together bless the Lord for 10,000 reasons and more. Father, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercies. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, thank you for hearing our cries and our prayers and delivering us and Thank you for saving us from ourselves. God, you're so good. Lord, everything that's been said and sung and shared this morning has truly been, I believe, a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of prayer. Oh, God, would you receive it today? God, may we, Lord, together as a church family, experience the power of thanksgiving as we never have before. Lord, I love you. Move in this response time. Speak to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together.